Hello, welcome to the third and final episode of the Trials of Black Star with the uh, group of Nicholas Anderson and Jeremiah Taylor. Again, Nicholas Anderson would be the one doing the speaking because my partner is sick. Do this, we'll have to change our style up a little bit and go to narration style instead of dialogue. Just do the fact that there's only one person. But it's okay, I'm sure that uh, it'll still be somewhat entertaining. If not, then I'm sorry. So, in the last episode, the crew of the Black Star was brutally massacred by the cat like creatures of the planet. Um, Cain and Abel returned to the camp after trying to make amends for killing the, or for the death, they didn't really kill it, but for the death of uh, one of the cat creatures, and when they returned, everyone was dead. And they had no idea what they were going to do. They were left only with the pain of the absence and the feeling of needing revenge. Now, let's remember that the cat creatures are intellectually superior and physically superior, not to mention they know the terrain better. So our heroes are in for a, uh, a battle. So let's begin. The sun shone brightly on the two remaining survivors of the Black Star. Their skin glistening with sweat from a long day of digging ditches, almost like mass graves for their crew. They had no idea that the pain of death could hurt so much, or the fact that knowing that they could have prevented it hurt even more. They constantly wondered whether or not Something could have been done differently. There was a different planet, a different area they could have landed, and maybe they could have avoided this. Or maybe this was just inevitable. Maybe the death of their crew was always meant to happen. They didn't know. The bodies were starting to stink, and the pals were slowly dwindling away, and the crew members' faces were shielded in the dirt and obsidian of the planet. Cain and Abel's blood dripped down from the shovel handles due to little shards of obsidian that coated the polymer handles and cut deep grooves in their skin, but they just ignored the pain because it, it wasn't as deep, it wasn't as real as the pain of losing their crew, and they, they feared the fact that they could be next or maybe the fact that no one else was coming. Maybe Earth had already ceased to exist and they were last of the humans, and soon they would be dead too if not from the animals, but by natural causes. They had no way to continue their existence. Their crew decimated, their supplies dwindling. Well, at this point, they hoped for a swift death. But they refused to. As they continued to be, Payne remarked to Abel at the fact that they could have prevented the sea stand. He said that there were two zones on the planet that had a suitable area for colonization. He picked this one because it was closest to all the natural resources. He should have assumed that life 
lived here. He wanted to spare the crew the rigors of the brutality of this planet by putting them in an area where they had access to everything within a five to ten mile hike. He couldn't have known, Abel said, that this wasn't his fault, but they both knew that things could have been different if maybe they had assessed the situation better or if they had seen the scans quicker or if they had done something a little bit different. Maybe their crew would still be alive and maybe they wouldn't be in the situation they're in now, but here we are. By the, by the end of the day, all of the remaining crew had been buried and tombstones had been printed out by the 3D printer and it stood in front of them like a some sort of grisly above ground catacomb dark mounds that stood there almost like small obsidian pillars just ready to grow out and they both wondered if maybe trees would grow from the corpses and maybe they would feed the planet they didn't know that the human blood was seeping deeper into the soil and changing the world not literally, but uh, metaphorically, they were becoming one with the planet. Cain and Abel were becoming more like the creatures, less human, more survival oriented. They forgot. They were forgetting their humanity. They were becoming more aware of nature and more in tuned. And so were the dead, only in a more obvious way. They were becoming a part of nature. They were beginning to feed the ecosystem. Cain thought that perhaps maybe this was the intention of the animals all along to bring them closer into the natural environment. As absurd as it sounds, maybe these things were performing a calling, a, a test to see if they fit this planet they had with the necessary traits to be successful, and maybe his crew didn't have it. He thought to himself he must be going crazy. He looked over at Abel, and Abel was weeping, and he said, well, if strength is what this planet demands, then Abel will be dead too, ignoring the fact that crying is possibly one of the most manly things to do. They sat in silence as the dust fell upon the land, and although it was still fairly well lit, the news around midnight, and it was time to go to sleep, but they couldn't move their bodies worn out from the digging and their minds were restless from the carnage they had just witnessed and the stress of encountering their greatest enemy. They both sat there in petrified silence until Cain finally spoke, saying to Abel, that this might be the end. I just want you to know I never hated you, even though we never really got along as well as we could have. You were always a great person and always admired your intelligence and your ability to create from nothing. I wished I could have changed things and maybe this would have been better. Abel turned to him and said, it's okay. It was more my fault than yours. I was cruel and bitter because I wanted to be the leader, but I think you did the best job. If it was me, I would have been crumpled on the ground. And nothing would have got done from the time the chef died and things may have gone faster. At least we had a chance, I think, with you.
tinge is smirked as the tears drain down his eyes and drop into the soil, mixed in with the blood of his crew. And he looked back at the camp and saw the, the devastation of blood splattered on the buildings and the dug up trenches and the, the life that they almost had smashed to pieces. And again, he wept a little bit more. Simultaneously, they both stood up and trudged back to camp, hoping to find something salvageable, whether it be a weapon or a bag of freeze-dried potatoes. They just needed something to hold on to. And uh, they came across the camp, and they walked through to all the individual bunks and collected all the necessary materials, everything essential to survival. They... They took sleeping bags and ration packs and water, knives, guns, rope, tents, tarps. They were determined to abandon the camp and move forward and face their enemy head on. Little did know their enemy no longer existed. The cats had already proved their point. They they no longer needed the humans. They they never truly did. As Cain and Abel walked through the devastation and the carnage, they looked and they saw the photos of the family and thought about what their fa- thought about what the crew, what humanity would think when they finally arrived and saw the tombstones and maybe if they found Cain and Abel's skeletons, would they weep or would they just dust away the bones and destroy the cemetery and erect a new settlement? Would they be more successful? Would they kill the cats or were they just too many? These questions ran through their minds like a freight train and never really stopped until finally they found themselves standing at the gates. The electrical fence humming slightly and making the hair stand up and their body charged with the lethality of their idea and Together they embarked, they walked out into the woods, brought sacks in hand, dragging behind them all the kits and supplies they needed. They they were no longer humans, they were they were the indigenous peoples of this planet now. They were the first. They they just abandoned it all. They marched for days, stopping only to rest briefly and drink a little bit of water and inhale some of the acidic air and just sit in silence and collect their thoughts and think about the crew they lost and eventually even those thoughts stopped coming until it was only thoughts of survival. Their movements became stealthier and they never saw the cats, but they knew they were there watching them, lurking, biding their time, waiting. Kane's injuries scarred his face and marked him as wounded as it's changed. They were, they were a physical representation of what he now was, a battle-hardened former human, just as he was a former military man. He was no longer part of human society. He, he rarely spoke, and his vocal cords shriveled up. His tongue no longer knew how to make the words, the sounds that he had once relied on to communicate in. He wondered if he'd ever be the same again, but he didn't really care. And 
For Abel, he, his mind remained sharp, but his words disappeared. He stopped making technology and started making the essentials. He fixed the kit when it was broken and he found new ways to get food. And One day they decided that they were done walking. They had been walking for two months straight every day and they decided to set up camp in a field with the lake and they decided that they were going to be a modern day Thoreau and Emerson. Centuries passed, they were going to build a cabin by a lake and listen to no one but themselves and just live a life of nature. And they reinforce their release with the murmurs of the past and the hopes of the future. And in the back of their mind still lurked the doubt of when will the cats come back? Will they ever come back? Are we still safe? But again, they didn't care. They would rather be dead than alive. But as long as they were alive, they must continue to push forward. But there were nowhere else to go. They spent the next two months building their cabins. And every day they got a little bit closer to finding some sort of peace. Their community was small, but it was effective. And they learned to eat the fruits of the trees, those sweet berries and plump nectarine-like pit fruits. But they also learned to avoid the sap because it would burn a hole straight through their arm and to only climb the trees at night when the trees lay dormant, when they no longer produce sap for during the day. Getting too close to a tree was almost certain death. And they learned to know to see the cats at all times of day, no matter if they were linking in the shadows or perched high in the tree. They were almost as if they were silent companions, moving with them, tracking them, learning. Although they never saw the cats eat, they knew they must have some source of food. And until they realized they fed the same way the humans did off the fruit of the trees, they realized that the cats had never really needed the humans. They were more of a nuisance. If anything, they were just death crews coming out to get rid of these invaders. But for some reason, they were allowed to live. And over time, Cain and Abel lost the ability to speak. They became more like the cats. They were able to move through the day or night without being seen, without making a sound. And they became one with the planet. They rejected all facets of humanity. They got rid of their rifles and kept only knives, but only for cutting down the fruits, never for killing them. Every time the sun rose again, they would look out and watch it glisten off the emerald blue water. And they'd be happy that they were no longer humans, that they were, that they were more like the cats. And eventually they came to terms with the fact that humans were never coming until one day across the sky. They saw the bright blue flames of the spaceship and wondered to themselves if they were being scanned or if they had mastered the former stealth that their, their allies had. They saw the shuttles come down to where their camp used to be. And they wondered what they would say when they only counted 98 tombstones, not the other two. 
Would they come looking for them? Would they think that they were still alive? Or would they reject them as cowards and move on with their lives? Every night, they wondered the same thoughts and lived in fear of maybe these, these intruders in their lands would come for them, forgetting that this was once a foreign planet that once they had never thought of as their land, just a host. But now they were one with the planet. Months passed since the humans landed and activity started to show. Trees started going missing and big cats, their allies, were gone. The alpha male incurred new scars and grew weak and the cats became fewer and fewer, just like the humans once had. And they realized that the planet was in danger, it was, it was becoming like Earth and during the day, the clouds of black smoke would burn and rise into the sky, coming from the blackened trees. And they realized that humans would never change, that they would continue to kill the planet they were on now as they had killed Earth. Only this time it would be faster because the means of production were instant. They already possessed the technology. Would there be no incubation period where things could be changed? They decided that they must return to the to their people. The future as they had been taught to love the planet as it was a mother instead of just a place. Cain and Abel had long since forgot their language. And they tried their best to communicate with the colonists, and only to be seen as crazed beasts. They were imprisoned and they suffered and they lost their connection to the world. They felt isolated and every night the big cats would come out and they would sit in front of the gates and they would growl and snarl and beg for their people to release their allies to be free, their new companions. But every night a cat was killed and soon the cats stopped coming because they realized that these new humans couldn't be changed. There were too many of them. They couldn't be called even if they wanted to. Years passed and Black Star no longer resembled what it once had been. Beetle-like cars rode new paved streets and the vast forests of just once out of the landscape were gone and the water was no longer blue but more like a murky black stained by the soot and smoke that settled back into the water due to the thickness of the atmosphere. The air no longer had that acidic burn to it. It had a almost fulfilling taste of like drinking water every second of the day. It was thicker and the skies were no longer blue. They shone a dark gray and Black Star was dying just as the earth had and Cain and Abel were now dying of old age, of being separated from their environment, of suffering from pollution. They looked at each other and mourned their new world. They mourned the society that they once had. The opportunity for a better world. They realized that Black Star had been all the things that they needed. A better world, a fresher planet, a fresh start. But now it was, was a polluted, infested environment that 
would kill us all. They recognized that there was no chance of escape, that there was no way to start a new civilization, to return things to the way they were. For humans were like a virus, a plague that spread across the planet and killed it down. The planet's defenses failed it. The obsidian pillars that once shone like glistening white teeth from the Earth's surface no longer dotted the plains and the mountains and the trees that had provided their sustenance were long gone turned into firewood, almost a precious fuel. Now it was a new type of fossil fuel used to power their cars. It was said to be clean, but the evidence showed that it wasn't. Their brethren were dead and extinct species only kept in zoos and museums as tokens of a lost time, although it had only been a segment of years. The sun's no longer shown during the day, there was now a night. Yet there were no stars, just blackness all around them. They realized that they had been plunged into a hellscape. They had, that they had yearned to escape. They spent their final days full of regret, regretting ever coming back and wishing they'd been able to stay free. Mourning the loss of their planet, mourning the loss of their, of their animal. Things of their animal comrades, they, they loathed humanity. They saw it as nothing more than the death of all things good. Well, that concludes our third episode. Well, at least the story portion. So, again, a reoccurring theme throughout our podcast has been global warming and pollution. This time we really wanted to focus in on kind of like and like the way the industrial revolution changed. Um, you know, the world and kind of help bring about sci-fi. So, you know, we talked about how, like, the black smoke from the, um, from the factories that the humans made, we thought it, I thought it was, you know, a nice touch because when the um, first factories were made, they burned, they burned coal to make steam for their engines and, uh, you know, smoke would come out and it polluted London and made it impossible to breathe. So I wanted to show how it kind of choked the planet and, if natural beauty was stripped due to that. I also wanted to talk about how, well, the main topic of this podcast isn't the main characters. They just serve as a tool for the analysis of humans' effect on the environment through scientific innovation, as well as the sci-fi aspect, which would be, you know, the inspiration and everything like that and technology used in the podcast. So we talked about how the cars are new but they don't have any new um, technology to, to produce um, power for the engines. Excuse me, I had to yawn. You know, technology, although they're able to practice interstellar power, they still rely on, you know, combustion from, you know, the, the wood and everything like that. And also, I wanted to show how humans treat other people as soon as they become different. And Black Star, though it was a harsh environment, it allowed for the people, for humans to be their pure selves. And, and by pure selves, I mean they didn't rely on their language anymore because that had always been a uh, defining feature and a, a, a signal of 
a symbol of dividedness. But when they lost their language, they were brought together and they put aside their differences for survival and they became a, a cohesive unit. And I also want to show that animals weren't the threat. They weren't the worst thing there. They were, in fact, just defending themselves. And I think the reason that Cain and the reason that Cain and Abel weren't killed was because they were they recognized that they had potential to be a tool for blacks. Right? They weren't a threat. They were just they had the potential to be like the cats, to be, you know, a blessing for the planet. And um so they were allowed to live. And I just wanted to show like, also how humans can evolve and change their ways that all isn't really doomed for Earth, you know. And for our environments and ecosystems, if we change, we can have a more um, equal, you know, relationship with it, and you know, have, provide better, better services for the animals and the environment, and just other humans in general. It doesn't even have to be animals; it could be anything. And that's what I thought was really cool about our podcast was that it was kind of diverse um, in its topics, and I wanted to show how. See, like the animals, they didn't really want the they didn't eat meat, they ate fruit, they were omnivores. They only ate the humans because they saw them as a threat. Just in a opposition to how humans only see animals is that we just, you know, kind of kill them because we feel that it's necessary. We feel like it's you know just something that we need to do because they're in our territory, which is the same thing that they did, but they stopped once that threat was eliminated. You know what I mean? So we just, I want to talk about that as well. Um, An inspiration for this podcast, like the sci-fi portion was kind of like this story I read a while ago about what it becomes separated from environment. And then when someone shows otherness, they are immediately thrown in prison because they seem to be like crazy people. Kind of like uh, Brave New World where everything is ordered and if you're different then there's a problem with you. Only in that fact, not in the way that humans are made or anything like that. Just in the concepts of how things are changed. So that was a big focus for me. And another big thing was that short story as soon as um, the main character alienated himself. He was imprisoned and seen as crazy, just as they were because they had forgotten their humanity. But I think what made them the most human was their ability to adapt to their environment and show compassion to the animals that had killed their crew and move on from that and grow and try to protect their world instead of destroy it for their own means. I think that made them more human than than the colonists who came after them. And I like that that um, oh that's kind of you know narcissistic to say I like the fact that my own podcast analyzed that but I just felt there was an important thing to show that not all things are as they seem that there's different ways to look at a situation from a non-binary perspective of of human and, and, and inhuman that there's a gray area and that the things that make humans the most important things are the fact that they can show compassion and growth and be more than just um, be more than just exploiters of the environment. 
Um, another big thing in this was the uh, was just how people are stuck in their ways. How when the colonists came, the first thing they did was start killing the environment again. Like as if they hadn't learned from their mistakes. Like like they justified it as the new planet is different. We have to do this to survive. But there was a better way. If they had if they had been shown by Cain and Abel how to live, how to change, and how to give back to the planet as they took from it, then things could have been totally different. And I feel like um, it's important to show that how things don't always have to be exploitive. They can be interactive and and everything can coexist. And I wanted to show how humans kind of just do exploit the environment through various means under the guise of it's just this one time and it's important. We need it to survive, but they really don't. So I wanted to, you know, kind of incorporate that. I know I keep tooting my own horn because it's my own writing, you know. But I did like I did like that that was included in my podcast because I thought it was an important thing to show. Um I did kind of take my ideas from Rise of the Planet of the Apes and how the planet was destroyed with this new, you know, technology. Not in like the ape or anything, but like how technology has You know, it's also seen a lot of post-apocalyptic uh, sci-fi as how technology is a, a killing force, not a building force. I wanted to bring that in because that's, I think, an, an essential part of sci-fi history, especially post-World War I. Um, you know, and it's all focused on human survival instead of cohabitation. But I'm going to resume this right now. As I was saying, I think it's important to show how humans, especially in sci-fi or how or post-World War One sci-fi have a kind of a negative view and how everything is kind of like doom and gloom. And I wanted to bring that little piece of that into um, this podcast you know has always a lot of things like rebirth through science and advancements and you know utopian kind of societies where they spread out but it always comes from destruction well i wanted it to be redundancy i wanted it to be destruction that led to destruction you know they never learn they stuck in their ways and this form of humanity is what i think is the most realistic in the future like in the future of me i'd probably be dead by the time anything like this could ever happen. But I do see that, you know, you know, we would probably destroy a planet and then go destroy another planet. And I just wanted to kind of put my own attitude in there, even though it's a little bit pessimistic, I thought it would be important to show my views as well as the views of a lot of sci-fi, traditional sci-fi. This can be seen in even Star Trek. There's always mention of wars that wrecked human society and they kind of forced them to kind of go out and unify and seek other planets and colonize them. But even those planets are ravaged by wars between the Federation and the Klingons because of the fact that humans have a superiority complex thing that they're better than everybody or that they have the right to things they don't have the right to. So I just wanted, you know, kind of bring that in and show that that just because humans have the capability to change doesn't mean they necessarily will. But that concludes the third episode of our podcast. And I hope you guys, I hope, well, you guys, I hope you enjoyed the Dr. Peterkin. Um, you know, please give me a good grade because I had to do most of it by myself. 
and I struggled through it, but we got it done. So I'm going to be done begging for points now, but um, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it, and maybe in the future I'll make another one, but uh, yeah.